A wise man can learn more from a foolish question than a fool can learn from a wise answer. Bruce Lee. In today's episode, we're talking with Jonathan Goodman from the Online Trainer Academy and the Personal Trainer Development Center. And why I'm really excited to bring you this episode is the level of transparency and the level of in-depth conversation about more than just the strategies. Don't get me wrong. This podcast is littered with how-to, step-by-step strategies. But at the end of the day, there's still that, 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 that deeper meaning, the deeper concepts, the deeper philosophies, the long-term versus the short-term, the asking the right questions to find the solutions to your problems. And Jonathan Goodman is a really critical thinker. He's really brilliant at what he does. So I'm really excited about this episode. And my only hope, my only wish, the only thing I want you to do is to take some notes and apply, even if it's just one thing you get from this episode. If you have one breakthrough moment, apply it, not only into your business, but into your life. The two are very closely related, if not um, so closely related that you can't separate them. So if you get something from this episode, apply it, and I will be a happy man. I'm not going to overhype this episode. I'll just let you jump into it, take what you want from it, and we'll talk soon. What is going on? Welcome to the Coach's Corner, a podcast dedicated to helping coaches get more clients, make more money, and book themselves solid. I'm your host, Lucas Rubik's The Coach's Coach, and I am 100% committed to helping you build the coaching business of your dreams. Welcome to the Coach's Corner. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Coach's Corner Podcast. I'm really excited about this episode, not only because this guy has literally, well, just decades in the industry. Can I say decades? Decades is pretty accurate. Nah, you can't say decades. Okay, I got so I'm lying a little bit. Me, you can't say decades yet. I became a fitness trainer while I was in university in 2005. 2005. But okay. I didn't become a full-time trainer until 2007, so I guess just over a decade. It's going to sound like a lifetime because in this world of like, Everyone wants things in three months or six months. That even 10 years in industry is a massive accomplishment to most people. Everyone's so short-term thinking, and maybe we'll get into that. But what I yeah. really... The fitness industry, the online industry is like dog years. Totally. Every year is basically five. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're connecting, and I'm, I, I'm, it's so weird because I try to visualize this when I'm connecting with someone. You're in Greece with your family right now, correct? Yes. And you're there for how many months? We're in Greece on this island for two months. And I did a little bit of digging and a little bit of stalking. It looks like last year you spent in Mexico or earlier in the year you were in Mexico. Is that kind of correct? Um, we're in the middle of an eight-month trip. This is my seventh winter away. Cool. Because uh, I live in Toronto and uh, the winters aren't very nice. So we were in Mexico for about two months, uh, two and a half months. We're in Greece for two months. We're going to Montenegro next for three months. Uh, and then home. So cool. We were in Spain for a little bit too on the way. So it sounds like family, traveling, the idea of freedom, everyone has a different definition of freedom, is kind of central to how you decided to build your business, to be able to do all that. Absolutely. I mean, there, there's a lot of tenets to that. There's a lot of pieces to that. We can investigate any of it. One of it is I very purposefully built my business based around text and words and not audio and video. Cool. Because audio and video, when I started traveling, would have very much limited where I was able to go. Totally. You know, nowadays... Good internet connections are more present in a lot of places. But when I started traveling and, and building my business, we wouldn't have been able to live in a cave in a remote island in Thailand. You know, it just wouldn't have happened. 
because internet wasn't strong enough. The funniest thing is we went back like two years ago and now they've, of course, got fiber optic internet running into that same cave, basically. But the other part of it is, Luke, is like, it's, it's a challenge. And I, I believe very strongly in the mentality in, in A, playing the long game, but also the mentality of you got to take one step backwards in order to take two forward. Like, Great. I, I, I'm more than a seven, I'm a seven hour time change right now away from my closest staff member. Mm-hmm. So think about what that forces me to do. It forces me to become a better leader in all ways. Forces me to be much more prepared, much more proactive, much more strategic. It forces me to delegate better, and it forces me to trust more. Love that. Love that. Those are powerful things. So while things do move a little bit slower, because whenever you're seven hours away from your closest person, ten from from my operations guy. Uh, things move a little bit slower. But once I get back after this, we're going to be able to blast forward much quicker because of that kind of imposed constraint. Absolutely. And so I believe very strongly in that. And that's, that's one of the true values in traveling for me that um, I don't get to speak about very often. So cool. We'll be diving into a little of that. I know you mentioned the creativity side. You like to create. I can relate with that. I've always loved creating. So I'm sure we'll have some conversation around that. I will absolutely, I'd love to dive into just so people know what we're going to be diving into. Um, by the way, Jonathan is the creator of the PTDC, Personal Trainer Development Center, and the Online Trainer Academy. I thought you wrote four books, but you actually wrote seven books. So creating things. I wrote four good ones. Right. I wrote seven total. Cool. Always creating, <laughs> always creating something. And I'm sure that just does, everyone's always looking at the final product of someone's hard work over the last 10 years or nine years or 12 years or however long you've been doing this. Plus you spent four years in university. So like you've probably been on a mission for much longer than people ever realize. So I like to dive into some of the failures or some of the lessons because I feel there's huge lessons in failure. So I'm hoping we can dive into some of the biggest challenges and you like to frame it as a challenge um, instead of like this hard um, you know, seven seven hour difference, which I'm fascinated with because me building a team is like so there's so many challenges with it, but it's like the most rewarding thing when you overcome a challenge and try to figure that out. Um, and then we'll talk about the training clients and the the future. I'm I'm really interested in talking about the past of what online marketing and the online fitness space, the online coaching space used to be, where it is now, and what you envision or what you see it the direction is going. I'd love to pick your brain on that. So with that said, um, John, you okay kind of diving into your story and talking about where you started and what made you – that reason why. I'm always fascinated with people's why. Like there's no reason you you need to come back to Toronto and grind away and build a team and do your thing. You don't have to. Um, what keeps you going um, mm-hmm. when things get really, really tough? Well – I'm just having fun. I mean, really, when you break it down, I'm just having fun. I just love to create. And so in order to create a lot of really good stuff, I need to bring on people to surround me and amplify the work that I do. And so a lot of people talk about scaling when they're, when they're building a team. And I thought that that's what I needed to do for a while. And then I realized I don't need to scale. I need to amplify. Hmm. And so I surrounded myself with with the most skill that I possibly could. You know, our editorial team is arguably the best editorial team in the fitness industry. And that's just, you know, men's health went under, basically. Men's health didn't go under, they fire sold. But but 
you know, we've got a lot of their top staff on our editorial team. It's also a matter of focus. I love writing. I love books. I love editorial. And I love journalism. And I think that a lot of people are moving away from that, which is precisely why I'm going full-fledged into it. Because I think there's a tremendous amount of opportunity. But at the same time, if I tried to do everything, I would do nothing well. So I just kind of made a decision. You know, I don't do many podcast interviews. I do go to my YouTube account. Like, I think there's like five videos on it. Like, it's just, it's, it's just useless. Even my Instagram account is basically pictures of my family. Like, I just don't care about that stuff. You know, our our professional Instagram account, the the PTDC Instagram account has got 45 to 50,000 followers or something, but it's purely a syndication account. All that we do with that is we just share the best information for fitness professionals on the net. Great. From any source. Great. Because our focus, our priority, is simple. It's we want to get as many books into as many trainers' hands as possible. That's it. That's all. So everything we do once we establish that as our priority now supports that vision. Which means that we need to figure out a way to make a ton of cash. Because the long-term vision is to build this huge platform, which is what's going to be valuable in the long term. But anybody that builds a platform will be the first to tell you that it's, it's almost impossible to make enough money while you're building a platform to be able to fund rapid growth of that platform. So you kind of need something else that has a huge profit margin that's going to make you a lot of money that, that you feed back into it. Like if you look at our, at our P&L, our profit and loss statement, it's actually pretty fun. Because we have this thing over here that makes millions of dollars, and then we have the PTDC, which loses millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, but the PTDC eventually, if I if I'm right, which we'll find out in five or ten years, is the thing that's going to be worth many tens of millions of dollars, if not more, because we're building something that is so unbelievably difficult to build, like reputation, a body of work. You look at SEO, you look at just the immeasurable effects of getting hundreds of thousands of books in people's hands in 80 plus countries. Wow. What, what is that worth five or 10 years from now in terms of, of a company's position in the marketplace versus, well, I shot somebody a Facebook ad to download an ebook to get on a coaching call. Right. You know, so, so the coaching is amazing. And the coaching, but the coaching is, is not, you know, for some people, the coaching is absolutely the end game. But, but for most people, the coaching should actually be viewed as the best way to take that next step, right? To fund that thing, to fund that passion, to fund that business, because it's, it's so high margin. But scaling a coaching business is a whole nother ballgame. And... I don't know many people who have been able to do it successfully. I mean, it's a, it's a great way to, to build your own business. It's but great. it's an unbelievably difficult thing to scale because it's so personality driven. Totally, totally. Three things from that. You just literally in five minutes, you just encapsulated so many people's heads are probably like, I don't know, they're skipping it. Three big things that I got from that long term. Be in it for the long run. See the 10, you, you threw around 10, 15 years. Most people are thinking... I want clients and I want to make a few thousand dollars in the next three months. I get that. You've got to pay the bills. I totally get that. Um, but get as quickly to a place where you can see the big term, the big yeah. vision. And those small things just kind of, the small people not paying, all these little issues you're going to face at first, it's 
it's pretty minuscule compared to the big vision like you have, which is amazing. Why you have a pretty deep sense of why you're doing it. It's not just for the money. The money is a means to grow, you know, sure. the, the, the vision. A lot of people are so focused around just because in the marketing space, it's something that we come across a lot because everyone's value props, everyone's promises are so huge and it's all centered mm-hmm. around, you know, six figures or the seven figure mark and I get that but when that's the if that's why you're getting into the coaching space you're probably going to burn out or crash I know I experienced that totally they're they're completely meaningless goals anybody who's done the littlest bit of research into happiness and it's it's a relatively well studied field will will be able to tell you the importance of looking at money objectively as a tool and how you know there's there's one of the one of the most well-known studies probably because of the title but it's a good study is um i might i might butcher the name but i think that this is it is uh if you think money doesn't buy happiness it means you're not spending it right great and and it's very interesting because Money buys happiness, absolutely, to a certain point, but only if you're able to remove your deep-rooted emotional connection to it. And a lot of the time, we're not. And if you if you understand how to spend it, and, and I mean, that's a whole other conversation. I've written essays on this. But if you understand how to spend it and actually get the greatest return from the money, you know, you, you aim for, you, you look for asymmetric opportunities. Basically, you look for opportunities where you're going to get the greatest potential for return with the least amount of risk. And and when you start looking for opportunities like that, you realize that they're actually pretty present because you have no idea when you're going to win and when you're going to lose. And then anybody tells you that they knew what was going to happen in the future is either lying or disillusioned. The world is too complex for that. Great. Make good bets, but you're going to lose. And you're going to lose a lot. So if you manufacture scenarios whereby if you lose, because you're inevitably going to lose, you don't lose that big, but if you win, you win huge, you're always going to win out in the future. And you also provide yourself the opportunity to make more bets. It's a pretty fun position to be in. So amazing. John, Jonathan, I'm going to, I had linear questions lined up on how to do this, how to do that. I guarantee you that you have written those down. You have blog posts, you have articles on it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to talk to your team and get those articles on like the technical side of things. I think that your brain power and your scope of knowledge could be much better used on this. I find a lot of the times that we're overloaded with information and what people are really missing is the exact stuff you're talking about right now. So I want to go in just just one more thing because I, I know right away people are watching this right now, are listening, and they may be thinking, that's great, John. You've built that. Cool. I get it. Like they, they, It's hard to sometimes relate to someone 10 or 15 years ahead of us because we're just starting. They're, I started my business in a basement on a laptop with a little goal, a little chart of wanting to make $500 online. I yeah. get that. Then you see these guys who are killing it. You can't relate. Where did you start? Because – even when you're talking about the relationship with money, generally we go through, we chase the money, we realize it doesn't make us happy, we go through a little bit of a low, we learn from it because we research it, we move on. We think that it's all short-term, get some clients, you get those clients, you realize, wait, where's my long-term vision? Like We usually learn as we grow, at least I find. Um, where did all this start? Like where, 
where did you start your business? Where did that first vision sort of come into play? And what were some of the challenges you faced as you broke through that, that the first initial few years, I'm sure? These are very big questions. Um, I'll give you a theme to my answer because I think that will help and that will help me kind of keep it all together. The theme is definition. And, and let, me, let me work backwards now. I was a personal trainer in Toronto at a small boutique studio. I was 23 years old. I was earning as much as you could earn in Toronto as a trainer. You know, I was charging as much as you could charge, 40 hours a week, earning a commission from, earning a commission from referring my overload of clients to other trainers. I was even managing a group of trainers and, and helping with the hiring and, and onboarding and stuff like that at the club that I was at as well. I was 23 years old. And, um, and, and it was fine, you know, for the time being, but I was like, yeah, is this what my life is going to be like? And, and I didn't like the answer. So I, I basically went down a journey. I was like, okay, well, like a couple of years earlier, the reason that I was at that point is because a couple of years earlier, I recognized the need for learning marketing and business. And like I took one business course in high school and almost failed it and took no business courses or marketing courses in university. You know, I, I, the, my journey into it started by picking up my brother's first year marketing textbook off of the shelf in my parents' basement one time and read it cover to cover. And I was like, okay, there's some good stuff here. This is probably pretty important like, for life. I was like 20 years old or something. So I went to the bookstore because we did that type of thing back then. And I looked at all the best-selling marketing and business books and I wrote down the name and then I walked across the street to the library and I checked out all of them or I checked out ones by similar authors or the same authors. And that was just it. Like, that was my journey. Um, so I got to that point at like 23 years old, 24 years old, where I knew that I needed, you know, I, I love training. I never wanted to stop training clients. It was never like a vision that I wanted to get out of it or live on a beach or make money online. Like none of that stuff existed. I mean, we're talking like 2008, 2009 now. That stuff just wasn't in the, the general like society just didn't even know about it. For the first eight months I made any money online, I got the check sent to my parents because they didn't believe me I was making any money. Right. But how the process started was I, I, I had a mentor. He's, the, he's, he's still the chief of psychiatry at a major hospital in Toronto. And we're still very good friends. But he basically walked up to me. He was a client of mine. He basically walked up to me one day and he kind of smiled. He was just like, you're not going to be my trainer much longer. And he handed me a book. He handed me a copy of Rich Dad Poor Dad. And he just, you know, I don't know what it was. We always talked about deeper stuff than do 10 push-ups, idiot, you're late. Because he was always late. And, and so I guess he saw something in me. I don't know what it was. But he really guided me through this process and passed along this, this, this thing that I now call the freedom number equation. And the basic premise is how much money you need to make is a problem. Once you identify something as a problem, once you define something as a problem, you can figure out the solution. Solutions are actually relatively easy to identify once you define the problem. The issue is that very rarely these days we define problems because it's much easier to go and consume more information than it is to stay back and say, what the heck am I actually trying to do? You know, consider the problem of what software do I use to manage my coaching business? Mm -hmm. Who cares? Mm -hmm. So what do you do? You know, because the, the, the truth is probably all of them are going to be good enough. That's the honest truth. Mm -hmm. The marginal difference in cost is negligible compared to how much money you could potentially make with it. It's, it's just completely irrelevant. Mm -hmm. And so what, how, you, how you fix that, how you overcome that is you say, okay, well, 
what are the top three things that I actually want my software to achieve? Write it down on a list. Get away from your computer and your phone. Write it down on a list. Have your list of the three things. Do a little bit of research. The second you find any software that has those three things checked off your list, you sign up for that software and you never think about it again. Love that. I mean, there is like, how many, how much better off would you be if you just solved that problem and moved on? Totally. Right? And so, so how much money to make is problem and, and, and was a problem for me because more is not a good enough answer. If you think that you always need to make more money, you'll never be satisfied. You'll always be comparing yourself with other people and you'll never, you'll never give yourself an opportunity to create. You'll never give yourself an opportunity to move on to better stuff and to reinvest back into it because you, you're never confident that you know that there's going to be more. You know, fear is, is nothing but an irrational response to the unknown. So no matter how much money you're making, you'll still fear anything scary if you haven't defined how much you need. And so you can eliminate that fear by defining it, by making the unknown known. So when I was a, a trainer, 23, 24 years old, my freedom number, which is simply how much money do you need for food and rent and looking after dependents and I call it now, I'll do something special for my wife fund. At that time, it was my girlfriend. It was pretty cool. And, um, yeah, man, she's been through a lot. And, uh, and so at that time, it was 2600 bucks Canadian, which was like nothing. Mm-hmm. Like I was, you know, a single guy with a girlfriend with a one-bedroom apartment. So whatever. now it's obviously a lot more because I have a two-year-old son. And, uh, we have Annie who travels with us and stuff like that, so it's obviously quite a bit more. But whatever that is, figure out what that number is. Because once you know that number, let's say your freedom number is $5,000 a month. Well, think about how much focus, how much direction, how much clarity that follows. If I know that I need to make $5,000 a month, well, now I have a goal. So now I can say, okay, well, if I'm going to charge $200 a month, I need 25 times. If I know that I'm going to charge $500 a month, I need 10 times. And you can play around with the numbers, right? I mean, we have a, a much more in-depth system of like figuring out how much time it's going to take to deliver a service, figuring out how much money you need and, and playing around with that. Way. But like, basically, you can play around with the numbers. If you know that you only need 25 coaching clients, that simplifies things, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And, and, and that doesn't mean that ultimately your goal is only to have 25, but what that means is that you need 25 clients because you've established that you need $5,000 a month and 25 clients is going to get you $5,000 a month, which means that you don't do anything other than direct activities to get you those 25 clients. Who cares about your Instagram followers? Who cares about your website or your software or anything? You need to talk to real people because you only need 25 customers. That's it. Name me one other business on the planet where you only need 25 customers. Mm-hmm. Right? Once you get those 25 customers, that's where the magic happens. So I always say freedom is providing you the opportunity to fail. Once you have 25 customers, again, using this example, and you're making 5,000 bucks, you're at your freedom number. Now you can play around, right? Now you can take time out to write that book. Now you can focus on learning marketing and, and, and advertising much deeper. And you can then begin to set a budget that you're going to invest in this every month and not be scared when maybe things don't go your way because they're not going to. 
you know, you can invest in, in additional mentors, you can invest in additional resources, and like, take risks, because you know that you're going to be fine. But if you never do that work to define it in the first place, you're never going to be able to get to that point. So my journey was very much having that mentor who defined, helped me define my problem. That's great. That's great. Got to that point. I got to that point, I put my clients down to 25 hours a week from 40 in the gym, combined them into a couple days, so now I had big chunks of time open. And I read more, and I studied more, and I wrote my first book. It's amazing. The, the, That's how it happened. The biggest thing I'm getting from that is, um, another way I guess to frame it is just ask the right questions. That's said a lot, but like when you have a problem, don't be focused on the problem. Find the right question. What's the right question to ask? Which is a challenge, but once you find the right questions to ask, you can start overcoming those challenges, overcoming those problems. It's it's pretty easy and straightforward to find answers. Yeah. The problem is a lot of people don't know what questions to ask. And I mean, I'm sure you see it in your communities too, and, and your emails and your team fields questions all the time. Where you're just looking at these things and you're just like, big time. I don't even know how to start answering you right now. Exactly. Like you don't even know what you're asking. You know, you know that you need help and I know that I really want to help you. But like this is going to take a deep dive. This is not like me firing back a response I love that. in a Facebook group to you. Because that. that's not what you need. It would be doing you a disservice to give you information right now. And I actually think that free Facebook groups do more disservice than they do service. I love that. I, I, I run two of the biggest Facebook groups in the fitness industry. Right. I feel that at, uh, you know, we have a community of maybe 25, 2,800 coaches. That's a free group. And sometimes mm -hmm. I, it's this weird world that I live, like I live between these two worlds because I'm putting out information. I'm aware that the information is attraction marketing, but I'm also aware that there is people consuming way too much information. And every part of me sometimes wants to eliminate 99% of the information and just put it all into something step-by-step, step, which is why we create paid-for courses, because when you pay, you play. Um, you know, I have a free course, and I can watch how many people complete it that actually sign up for free, and it's almost none. But my paid stuff, all of a sudden, everyone completes because their skin's in the game. So it's this weird world that you probably sometimes live in, too, like between the two worlds is is uh, the information can do a disservice. when it, There's just people are bombarded with information. I'll tell you how we're fixing that. Cool. Um, Love to. Because, yeah, one of the biggest problems right now is there's there's infiniteness. When there's no finality in information, there's no permission to actually take action. And so I do believe the pay-to-play thing. Um, I, I don't buy into it as much as as a lot of others do. This is my opinion. Yeah, yeah. not saying that. I believe that the biggest problem is that there's a lack of finality. You know, there are too many books. There's too many podcasts. There's too many groups. It's infinite. There's always a related article. There's always more that you should know. I would love, I actually have on my list of books that I want to one day write. I would love to quantify. I call it the ignorance quotient. I would love to create, to actually quantify the problem and say, you need to know enough about a problem in order to avoid making a catastrophic mistake. But any knowledge beyond that will actually be a disservice to you. And I don't know where that point is yet. I have, I have a whole bunch of ideas of like how to explain it, but I'd love to be able to quantify it because there's something, there's something about optimistic ignorance. You know, there's something about mixing risk mitigation and asking the right questions, as you said, and optimistic ignorance. 
And also trying, because once you actually get the courage to try something, there is an almost 100% chance that it won't work out the way that you intended. And also an almost 100% chance that it will work out in a way that you never could have anticipated unless you tried. And so what's that, what's that point, right? How do you get to that, to that stage, to that, to that quotient? So what we're trying to do with our business is we're trying to go back in time and making things a lot more analog so that there's more finality in information. So instead of somebody asking a question in Facebook or whatever, basically in, in two or three years' time, we're putting out a book every two months moving forward. We have our first one coming out in June. Um, this is why I, I've been picking up this amazing editorial team. And the books are all one problem. Right, so it's 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 the Wealthy Fit Pros Guide to. So the first one is the Wealthy Fit Pros Guide to starting your career. Next one on training. Next one getting clients and referrals. We have customer service and retention. We've got pricing. We've got you know everyone. So so the idea is, anytime anybody asks a question about anything anywhere, we want to be able to say, here's a book for ten bucks. Okay. That is everything you need to know about that problem. And once you've done this book. They'll be like relatively short books, 150 to 200 pages. Once you've done this book, incredibly well-written books, right? Like really, really a nice reading experience to go through. Once you've done this book, you close it, and that's an analog status bar, by the way, with the pages on the right going to the pages on the left, and the right side of the book getting smaller, and the left side of the book getting bigger. Like there's a lot of psychology in this. Once you finish that book, you've got permission to take action that you know enough mm. about this thing. Additionally, if you're not willing to buy a $10 book to solve your problem, I'm not willing to spend my time answering it in a Facebook group. That's great. It's really great. So um, that's, that's what we can do. There's like, there's two things that are branching off from that question. One, really quick, when I was 24, I started reading a book a week. I was told, read a book a week, you'll be successful. So I started reading a book a week. This happened for like two, three years, just consuming information. And I remember the day where I just got... Like I actually lashed out in anger. I knew so much, but I, I was like, the more I learned, the more I was paralyzed with inaction because I was like starting to guess myself. And I just, I stopped reading for a while. I took action. And now I still consume a lot of information, books, but it's always one thing. I write it on the back cover, like the one actionable thing that I learned from this book. I don't need to know it all. The okay. one thing, and I don't read my next book until I've actually implemented that one thing. And I feel less it's been a system that's been working for me because I love reading, but I hate missing or I hate. But I remember that moment. I was just like angry because I'm like, I knew all this. And it's and now online, I mean, there's so much information that I think sometimes people feel like they're not. It's frustrating. It can be frustrating when you're just trying to learn more and not doing it. So it's just a fine balance. So once that book is written, you let me know and I will buy. I will give it to everyone I know because I think it'd be a great resource or a let, great let me ask you more about that because i really appreciate you sharing that method and it's really interesting to me and i've never heard that before and it's, mm -hmm. it's so i'm going to turn i'm going to turn the mic on you for a second let's do it uh i think that that's brilliant what you just said there in that approach for, for people at a certain point i mean i think i think there's various levels right yes. um you know you knew a lot and you knew that you knew a lot uh, so when you how do you decide what to read now is it is it a problem solution? Like I can see scaling up behind you. Yeah, so, so right now that's the you're, problem. You're building a team. Correct. So I'm trying to build a team. We got uh, a lot of the Facebook stuff is done for us. A lot of the advertising. Sarah's amazing. That's who you've been connecting with. She's great. Uh, VA, 
and hopefully one more person. So a pretty humble team, but four or five people on the yeah. team. And I will, I think I bought about six books from chapters through Amazon, order them. And some books, I'll only read the first 30 pages, but if I get what I was looking for in that book, it goes on the back cover, I close it, and I stop reading. Because I just find that... Most nonfiction books, you only need to read about 10 pages anyway. Some totally. of them, you only need to read about Totally. And I will, like some people are like, how do you read a book in a day? I will start in the If I have a problem, I go somewhere, I sit down for the day, and I will basically flip through the book until I find information that's valuable. And I just dissect it looking for one thing. Because, I mean, the other part of it is a lot of these books are just lead magnets these days, which is, I totally understand the business model. But a lot of it is just moving you further through the relationship, which is a great oh, model. Crap. I'm just looking for one thing anyways. There's very few books that are written in the last five or ten years that I'll actually read. Totally. You know, they're just... They're just the. I love books and I'm so passionate about books, and I hate what's happening to books because right. most of them are just absolute and utter crap. Lead but, magnets, but, uh, yeah. But, they're webinars in, but, in, in page form for the most part nowadays. Basically. Yeah. And, and, you know, they're dictated. So, like, here's the thing everybody's trying to make writing a book easier. Um, writing a book should not be easy. If, if you think it's easy to write, you're a terrible writer. I'm you know, so happy you're telling me this right now. It's, I'll tell you why I'm happy you're telling me this right now, but I'll. Well, it's, it's beautiful because, like, if you try to try to talk the way your brain works and try to help somebody else understand it that way, it don't work like that. Right. You know, you need to put yourself and be empathetic and empathize and say, "What's where's the other person coming from? Where's my ideal reader coming from? What do they know? What do they not know? Right. How can I connect them? How can they answer their questions before they even have them?" But what, what your method really brings up to me, which, which I think is why it's so fascinating, is, again, definition, right? You can only do that, and it's only effective and efficient because you know what problem you want to solve. That was my exact next point of what you were talking about. You mentioned definition. Yeah. And like when you're specific on what you're trying to solve, the one thing, you can solve it much quicker. And it's hard to, in my opinion, hard to solve 18 problems like I see people like brand new coaches who are looking at others who have a big successful podcast so they're trying to start a podcast but there's just no need for it because what's the what's the first problem maybe that's just dialing in your messaging and and like the basics like let's figure out your business model and what that looks like before we try to solve a lot of problems so that's why information uh, we do three YouTube videos a week uh, two podcasts a month and we're usually deal, dealing with specific problems but I'll have readers or I'll have listeners send emails saying podcasts are so amazing I want to do that and I try to figure out where they're at and they're just starting and I'm like I gotta put more disclaimers here's, here's my tool for that here's I do this myself and we teach our people to do this too every every if you if you knew you'll probably want to do it every quarter once you've done it for a few rounds you can do it every half year or every year but write down on a piece of paper everything that you think that you should do. So start a podcast, advertise on Facebook, write a blog, network in my community, join these mentorships, blah, 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 blah. Right? Write down everything you think that you should do. <laughs> write down at least 20 of them. And then you're going to pull out the five that really energize you, that really align with your vision of what you do. And you're going to copy those onto another piece of paper that says absolutely do at the top. And you're going to put that on your shelf, right? Like put it somewhere you can see it. And then here's the most important point. You're going to take the other 15 that was on your initial piece of paper and you're going to copy those onto another piece of paper 
with the headline, absolutely under no circumstances do not do. Because those 15 that are on your list of stuff you think you should do but not good enough for you to actually do are the ones that are going to get you in trouble. And a lot of the time, again, by not defining that. And so like, like put that smack dab at your desk in front of your face all day. That way when you're, when you're looking up at somebody else and you're saying, oh, they have this thing that I feel like I deserve and I don't have it. You can look at them and you can be like, well, but they're doing this crap that I don't want to do. And I know I don't want to do because in an objective, unemotional state, I've already established that that's not the right thing for me right now. What's more important is these things that I did establish are the right things for me right now that I knock these out of the park and focus on them. That tool has been so powerful for myself and also for, I mean, a lot of the people that we work with. It's amazing. Because like, it's really, really good. everything works. I mean, everything works. Absolutely. Blogging still works. Content marketing still works. Guest posting still works. Networking locally still works. Obviously, video works. Social media still works. Like, everything works. Absolutely. But only if you really work at it and focus on it. And finding your strengths. I'm really big on, like, when, it, when someone's trying to find their medium for communicating their message, is what are your... What are your strengths? Uh, I, I work with this guy with the most amazing voice and he loves radio. Podcast is gonna be his medium. He can literally hold your attention for 45 minutes. He, he's just great at it. So let's just double down, yeah. go all in on a podcast. And if you hate writing, let's, we don't gotta blog. Um, okay. You know, so I love that. Um, you mentioned one thing about pulling that away. I just did an exercise as we're trying to solve the problem of scaling up and teaming up, is everything that you do, so everything I do on a daily basis, write all of that down. So it's pretty relative to what you were saying. Mm -hmm. Pull away almost everything down to five, then pull away three, and you're left with eventually just two things that are like a queen bee, they're calling it, at least in this book. But the most important things that yeah, you Yeah, you're protect. talking about clockwork. Clockwork, that's right. Uh, most painful exercise, because you want to do it all. You do. So I can relate to people who are trying to do a thousand things, and then you're pulling away. Clockwork. Probably yeah. the best book I've read. On what book, which book is that? Coming up. Clockwork, the, yeah, the book really great book too. With um, it, it's it's the best. It's it's probably the best book that I've read in scaling a smaller company. I mean, I've read I've read traction. I've read scaling up. I've, I've I've read a ton of those, and most of them are built for bigger organizations. You know, with us and anybody will tell you that there's kind of like breaking points when you're scaling the business. Like we just went through one. You know, ten staff members is a breaking point. So we're now, I don't even know how many we are, 13, 14, maybe 15. I don't know how to keep hiring you. So cool. But, but then, and then we work with tons of agencies who are basically staff members, but not officially. Cool. But then, um, but then 30 is another breaking point and then a hundred is another breaking point and then it's just everything's a mess after that. But, <laughs> but, but most, I, I've never really read anything that was like, okay, you're, you know, kind of a, a one man or one woman show with, with maybe an assistant or a virtual assistant and a couple people who you contract with, how do you operate that better? Right. And, and clockwork was brilliant for that. So I'm, I'm it's glad blowing, that you got that. It is blowing my mind. Um, yeah. You are extremely Good. busy. I want to really respect your time. I know we have a few minutes left here. I'm going to try to squeeze out as much as I can. So I'm going to close my lips and just let you answer a few things here if you're cool with that. All right. <laughs> um, what do you think, and I know this is such a, 
cop-out question, but I'm hoping that I can kind of pick it right on it, is when you see people entering the industry, wanting to build a business, and they're, you know, mm-hmm. they're maybe it's their first year in entrepreneurship or that whole mindset and a lot of fears associated with it. Could you come up with like the one or two things to most absolutely, I think we covered some of them, to avoid or just stay aware of that's leading them to failure or that's leading them to hitting their head against the wall and not seeing progress? Because they'll see some people in a year, they build a million dollar business. Those are the one, like those are the special cases and we're trying to compare ourselves to that. What's, what are the reasons some people are just moving ahead, building momentum, um, succeeding on their own terms and some yeah. just never do? I'm going to do what basically every politician does and take your question and maneuver around it in a way where I answer the question that I want to answer. Let's do it. And not the actual question. Great. I, you mentioned momentum. And what happens also... There's this addiction to immediacy, right? There's this, there's this um, omnipresence that plagues our world today. Everybody thinks that they need to be everyone to every, and everywhere. And as a result, they're, they're trying to do, you know, they're spending their time making all these pithy social media posts and, and trying to gain algorithms and stuff like that. And none of that stuff matters. All of that stuff is so relevant. That's, even, even paid advertising is... It's gasoline on the fire. It's not the fire itself. And the reason why it happens is because the fire takes a long time to build. Momentum takes a long time to build. Picture a big stone wheel. You're pushing that thing. It takes a lot of effort to get it going. Once you get it going, though, it starts to roll. And I think in very honest assessment when you're starting out and say, hey, what's my existing network? What's my existing knowledge base? Have I actually built connections with people unconsciously for a while or am I starting this brand new? How many people even know what I do? Is it just my mom? Or do I have a bit of a community that I've kind of been building just because I'm like a, a friendly person? And so do an honest assessment. On a scale of 10, where are you at a 2? Are you at a 5? Are you at a 7? You're probably comparing yourself to 8s and 9s. If you're at 2, that's totally cool. But then you need to appreciate the value in becoming a 2.5 and a 3 and a 3.2. Because that progress, while you don't see it, is compound interest. It starts small. The biggest thing that – I'm going to answer the opposite question. Not the biggest thing that people Let's should do be doing. I'm going to say the biggest thing that people should be doing. you got to talk to people. You have to make real connections with people. You have to do real work and put it out into the real world and get good at it. You know, you probably suck at what you're doing, right? And some people will listen to me say that. If, if you knew, right? If you knew what you're doing, if you knew what writing, if you knew what podcasting, if you knew what whatever, you probably suck at it. Seth Godin has a rule that I really love where he refuses to be on a podcast unless the person has done 100 episodes. If you've done 100 episodes and it works with his schedule, he will say yes to you. That's great. And he will say yes regardless of how many downloads because he appreciates that it takes time to be good at something. And some people will hear me say, you're probably terrible at what you do. And, and that will beat them up a little bit, you know, and it'll hurt. Other people will hear that and they'll just be, that'll just light them up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
because though, and, and, and that's, I think that that's very interesting because if, if that really bothers you when I say that, I think it's important to really assess yourself and say, okay, why does that bother me? If, if you become really enthusiastic about that, you're like, yeah, but I'm going to knock this out of the park. Like, that's awesome. Because what, what really needs to be done is you got to talk to real people. You got to do real work. You got to put it out in the world and you got to do that for a while. And you got to get good at it. And you got to build real connections and help people and lift other people up for a long time. And you cannot ask or expect anything in return. You know, there's no like trade. There's no like I supported this person or linked to this person. And then I came out with something and they didn't support it. So they're a joke. It's like, no, nah, that wasn't mm-hmm. the deal. Mm-hmm. Right? That was the deal in your head. That wasn't the deal with them. You've got to do a lot of this stuff over time. You know, people come into our communities and they're like, hey, how are you guys getting clients? You know, I'm doing everything. I have this funnel. I have, you know, I have this click funnel and then I've tried all these Facebook ads and then I've done this and nothing works and I can't get clients. What am I doing? And I go into it whenever I'm feeling particularly snooky. This is my group that I get to. And I just write one line. How many people have you spoken to today? And usually they'll come back. And they'll say, and now I've done this enough times, you know, other people in the group kind of expect it. But, but usually they'll come back and they'll say, well, but I mean, I, you know, I, I, I wrote this awesome ebook and it's so good. And then I did all this stuff. Like, but how many people have you spoken to today? Don't you think you should actually speak to a person? People buy coaches, not coaches. 100%. It's pretty darn important that you speak to and build connections because if you don't you will compete and if you think that you're competing you've already lost and one of the best ways to never compete is to become a trusted source through a recommendation of referrals and buying decisions are not logical decisions we don't buy things based on merit buying decisions are largely and, 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 and people don't buy things because they're the best for the most part, there are exceptions to the rule. The reason why people buy things is because they're pretty sure it's not going to be crap. That's why people buy things. That's why people sign up for a coach. That's why you buy things. That's why I buy things. It is impossible to actually accurately assess merit. It is such a difficult decision to make that we aim to simplify it. And one of the best ways to help people simplify it is to become everybody's friend. Because if you're everybody's friend, then they feel good passing on your name. And now all of a sudden you're a trusted resource. And that makes you an obvious person that people want to do business with. I mean, like, like that's that's how you build a coaching business to get your first 25 people. I love that. There's there's two words we use a lot. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take everything you just said and hopefully sum it into four words, see if you agree with it. But connection, <laughs> connection and conversation, these are two words that I'm always trying to repeat. Connect and have a conversation. Connection, conversation, at the end of the day, have more of that. If you're having more of that in your coaching business, you'll get more clients, apart from all the logistical stuff. Mastery, be focused on getting just a little bit better every single day. I don't know if you ever master something, but be in it for the long run. So mastery and then the long term. So if you're starting a Mm -hmm. podcast, like Seth Godin, he won't get on until he's 100, because after 100, you're probably getting pretty damn good at that, depending if you got one listener or 100. Keep working on your craft yeah. every day. See the long term. Connect, communicate. 
John, I don't, I'm going to talk to the team for the linear, like some of the best of the best blog posts or articles you have. I'm going to grab those links and put them below because I really want, if you're a trainer or just a coach in general, I really think that it, it, it doesn't matter what industry you're in. A lot of the information, a lot of the techniques, a lot of the strategies, a lot of the, a lot of the concepts are the same through any industry. Coaching at the end of the day is connection, conversation, helping people through a problem. So I'm going to grab some of those links for you when this comes out. So if you're listening to this, you want to learn more about John, make sure that you check out the links below. And I like to wrap things up with one final question. If you you got time, you got a few minutes? Let's do one final question. Okay, one final question. And, and it's a tough one. If you need a minute of silence, I'm cool with that. If you could pass down one sentence, one concept, one piece of information down to when you first started, maybe when you were 24 or 25, to help you avoid some of the pain you may have gone through. One little nugget of wisdom with where you're at right now. Maybe yeah. what would that one concept that you'd love to leave for people? I, I think it's I think it's the theme probably of this episode is, is definition to find the problem. If you define the problem, the opportunities are endless. If you don't define the problem, you'll falter, flounder, and fail. It's that simple and that hard. Jonathan, thank you for your time. You were you were amazing. Cool. I love Thanks, it. Man. Thank you so much. Guys, check out Jonathan. I'll put all the links below. And I'll see you in the next episode. All right. So as always, I just want to finish off the episode with saying thank you for listening. These episodes are 100% free. And they're dedicated to helping you build your coaching business. Because there are clients out there just waiting for you to reach them. They're waiting for you to give them a result. So do not give up on your dream and never give up on your business. Again, these episodes are 100% free. All I ask in return is that you give it a thumbs up, you give it a like, you give it a little bit of love in the comments or the reviews, and you share it with one or two coaches who you know could use help building their coaching businesses. That's it. I'm done. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode.